Welcome to What's Next, Cornet Global's podcast channel that puts members on the mic for thought-provoking, profession-shaping conversations and commentary. This is part one of a two-part series on Space Reimagined, Verizon's Transformation. Featured in this session are Josh Lair, a director in CBRE's Global Workplace Solutions Group and the Verizon Account Lead. Josh will be speaking with John Vasquez and James DeSignant of Verizon. Today we have a great opportunity to sit with John and Jim to discuss Verizon's strategic shift from a legacy telecom to a tech and media giant and how Verizon's real estate team has supported, enhanced, and in some cases, driven this transformation. But first I'd like to introduce our guests. John Vasquez is Senior Vice President of Global Real Estate here at Verizon. John has been with Verizon for five years and previously held executive level positions at MetLife, JP Morgan Chase, and IBM. John has a long history of forward-leaning innovation and has reinvented over a million square feet and positively impacted the workplace experience for more than 10,000 employees at Verizon. John is a recipient of the Cornet Global 2016 Corporate Real Estate Executive of the Year Award and is recognized by his peers as an industry leader. Jim DeSignant is the Director of Real Estate Development and Transactions and is a longtime veteran here at Verizon. Climbing the ranks to his current leadership role, Jim is known for his thoughtful leadership, similarly innovative mind, and business unit-focused approach. Jim oversees over 700 transactions representing around a billion dollars annually and is credited with supporting John's vision and some of Verizon's most noteworthy and innovative projects, some of which we'll discuss here today. But first, I'd like to ask you both a warm-up question. Many of our listeners are young and starting out their careers. Could you both tell us a little about how you got your start in the industry and anything you might credit your success to? Sure. Uh, thanks, Josh. This is John. I'll, I'll start with that. And, and uh, you know, getting started uh, can be a daunting task, um, especially coming out of the ranks, whether it's professional or, or right from college. I started my career as a uh, summer intern working in the boiler rooms at IBM. Um, and uh, followed that path into their uh, engineering group uh, during senior year in the real estate and construction division at IBM. This is back in the, in the early 80s. Um, and it was a quite large, about 1,000 1, people in the division of the real estate group where everything was self-managed. Uh, great experience, uh, learned about engineering, learned about uh, corporate real estate, and to that point we had really no concept of what that really meant. Um, and was able to then build that into a, a full-time position upon graduation. Um, and I worked there for a few years, uh, 10 years after that, uh, before continuing my career, expanding uh, my perspective. But um, I think, you know, how you get started can be different for different people. I think what I found was right off the bat was the passion uh, and the love of all things that had to do with real estate and engineering um, and finance and putting all those together for me. This is Jim. Um, it's funny, I had an interesting um, start in my career as well. Um, directly out of school, a summer internship program with GTE, one of the predecessor companies to Verizon. Um, I knew I wanted to be in real estate coming out of college, and I went right into the real estate function within the company. Um, and I, I think what I credit to you know my my career success is really from the very beginning, uh, not being afraid to 
challenge the status quo or, or think new ideas um, and bring them forward. As a summer intern, it's easy because you have nothing to lose. Uh, but in the um, in the early years of my career, uh, I had the support of, of managers that um, really fostered that and supported it. And I've, I've enjoyed that really throughout my career and, and with John here as well. So, you know, don't be afraid to, to bring forward a new idea. That's, that's my biggest advice. That's great. Sounds like you both had a tremendous uh, experience with your internships, and that definitely started you on the right path. That's a key takeaway there, huh? Absolutely. I think um, it's something we sponsor here at, at Verizon as well. Uh, and our version of the internship program will have anywhere from six to eight interns uh, is to turn those into full-time employment Excellent. Uh, once once they go through the program. So yeah, it's we, not really, we really enjoy it. Um, John and his executive team, um, we love when summer comes around. You have a lot of fresh faces, a lot of energy. Um, <laughs> we, have, we have fun with them. And, they, and we put them to work. They, they do meaningful things, and it's an excellent program. Great. Well, I'd like to start this, today's discussion uh, talking about Verizon's background and current strategic drivers. After that, we'll highlight some of the innovation taking place uh, here at Verizon's Global Real Estate Group and then dig into an example of the Flexible Office Program. Sure. So starting with the Verizon's background, we know that tech, uh, telecom industry is changing pretty drastically. Uh, could you tell us a little about those changes and what Verizon's doing to address those shifting tides? It's uh you know, when I joined five years ago, um, I was told that the company and the industry were changing, and it was an industry that I knew very well. Um, I think what's really changing is not just the industry alone, but what's changing uh, in today's world is how different industries are coming together. So for us here at Verizon, uh, the change has been not just on competitive pressures in our wireless segment and our wireline segment, which has been going on for many years. But it's also been the shift that we've made most recently um, with the acquisition of AOL and uh, Yahoo and Fleetmatics and Telematics, uh, just as examples, is where you're really moving into adjacent spaces of either how your technology is being used so that you're no longer just the network provider, but actually uh, being a service provider that leverages the network, and you'll see that with the Fleetmatics, Telematics, um, and other programs. Um, but then moving into adjacent spaces like Yahoo and AOL, where we're really moving into media and advertising, which is not something you would think of as a telecom provider would, would be would move into. So it's really about how do you um, get closer to your customer. Uh, the transformation is about providing services that your customers are looking for. And then how do you monetize both that product and monetize your own network as well. So the mindset shift is much different from what it used to be where I would say the main focus was about the network and the network only and everything was about the network. So now it's about content, media, advertising, um, and then also how do you make people's lives better with IoT and, and integrate our network into their lives every day so we actually have a direct line of sight into who our customer is. Great. So as you made that transition, when you thinking about M&A activity for a second here, when you acquired large companies like GTE, um, that probably had a, a certain type of impact on the real estate portfolio. Now that you're moving into more of these tech and media companies that are maybe smaller but more um, nimble, how does that, how does that overall uh, shift hit uh, impact the global real estate team? Well, I, I think you, you nailed it right there, Josh. It's about being flexible and nimble. Um, and I think most importantly, one of the things that Jim 
uh, has done with, with his team and his leadership is understand that our job is not to provide space per se, but it's to provide opportunities to enable the business to either grow, to shift, to morph, to acquire, to divest. Our job is to make sure that uh, we actually plan for flexibility as opposed to building 20-year plans and your, your old NPV analysis of you know, 10, 15 years out. Those are interesting at this point, but uh, the business moves so quickly today, and it's not just ours, it's, it's many if not most. Um, our job is to make sure that we provide solutions to the business that provide them access to the spaces they need and our eyes have to be open to, we may not be the ones who provide that to them directly. I think that's a big shift from a corporate real estate perspective to be humble enough to say that the solutions I provide to the business may come from a third-party provider. That's great. I think that's probably a big part of the key that you guys have had success with is um, being recognizing that need for that nimble and agile mm -hmm. um, portfolio. Um, there seems to be, from my perspective, a, a pretty strong culture of innovation uh, with, within your organization, the global real estate team. Um, is that that's traditionally hard to do within a corporation, right? Mm -hmm. There's a lot of risk, a little reward for a career executive to, to take that risk on innovation. How have you uh, fostered that culture within your team, and is that something you see within Verizon as a whole, or is this something that you've kind of incubated here within your team? First? Yeah, I would say first, you know, Verizon is and always has been an innovative company. Um, people not, may not see all the innovation, uh, they feel it through the network and, you know, 3G, 4G, and 5G uh, coming forward where, you know, you can go to speeds of one gigabyte or, or more on your telephone, right, as opposed to having to be to, connected to a hard cable. Um, but I think the big part of the innovation is making sure that the teams realize from a culture perspective, and this has come from the leadership team down from, from Lowell, our CEO, and, and all the senior leaders, um, you know, it's akin to the, the change or die mentality, where if you're not changing, you're probably dying somewhere. You're losing oxygen somewhere. Mm -hmm. So if you think things are good enough the way they are today, um, the risk is actually in not changing and not looking for different ways uh, to explore solutions. And you're right. I mean, we'll do some things where we'll take risk and it may not work out perfectly, but I think, I think the formula for us has been we take a measured risk and a calculated risk but the team is empowered to take that risk, and I think most importantly, we all take the risk together. It's not someone out there on their own taking the risk, and, and we watch them and see if it works. That's, yeah. that, does, that will not make you successful. So it sounds like you've leveraged the, the culture of Verizon's innovation and made that an okay space within your team to, to innovate, to take those risks, and to potentially sell, but do it as a team. Exactly. Great. So, um, I'd like to pivot a little bit talking about uh, the corporate real estate program, some of the things that you, you're doing that are more kind of cutting edge or in, innovative. And, um, you know, one of the things, a couple of the projects that come to mind are the condo projects that you've recently done that raised over a billion dollars in trap value for diminishing, uh, demising technical sites and selling those to developers with back-end profit participation for Verizon. Uh, one that shocks a lot of people is uh, the Verizon joint venture development in Texas, where you've leveraged vacant land that was otherwise uh, not very valuable in the current state uh, to develop a master plan community that will provide a living laboratory that supports Verizon's other business lines and to hone the connected community offerings, 5G, and, and things like that. Um, 
Another one is the co-working program, where they're uh, where you've partnered with providers to backfill vacant technical space um, with co-working, providing access to technology and to top talent. And finally, the flexible office program, which uh, we'll dig into here a little bit later today, where you're you're driving that agile and flexible uh, workspace uh, with a space as a service model, um, partnering partnering with providers like Regis and WeWork to create that that modernized portfolio. So diving right into um, the strategy of the, the FOSS program as, as a great example to, to highlight this innovation, uh, what was the overall driver or strategy uh, of this program when you set out? I'll take that. Um, this is one that um, in my normal kind of day-to-day -day, uh, activity of managing the lease portfolio, we're constantly looking for um, ways to control cost or to reduce cost, take uh, vacancy out of the portfolio. Um, FOSS was really grown out of uh, a strategy of combining all of our small offices in the portfolio, trying to build scale on on what were considered minor projects in the, in the scheme of things, but when, when pulled together could actually create something meaningful. So um, it was it was driven out of um, a cost-cutting um, or optimization strategy, um, and then we found that it, it really had benefits beyond that. Um, I'll just kind of jump into that. Um, you know, as a optimization tool, spaces and services uh, makes total sense. You're only paying for what you need when you need it. Um, but beyond that, uh, at the same time we were looking at this, we were also rolling out activity-based workplace um, uh, type design uh, within our larger campuses. And this was a way to, to kind of impl uh, implement some of those concepts into our smaller offices that, you know, left to, the, left to a normal course, we would never get to because we have thousands of locations. So it was a way to accelerate that concept, bring it out to, uh, to the local offices, and also in a way that was very capital efficient, uh, because in most cases we'd, we'd have to invest little or no capital in order to, to achieve that uh, that transformation. Yeah, excellent. I guess just for the for the uh, listeners' background, um, activity-based working is a model that you've moved to in you know largely initially in your corporate campuses, about six large locations, it's probably around 800 to 1.4 million square feet in in general, right? And where you gave different zones in different places for people to work when and where they want to, um, and then you took away or you went to a free addressing model where um, people weren't designated to see you can go wherever you want. So so um, what it sounds like is this was a great way to deploy that through the portfolio in the smaller smaller locations. Um, did, you, did, you, did you find that activity-based working and FOSS mirrored themselves well, or were there, there differences that you had to work within? Well, there were a lot of similarities, you know, and um, the fact that in a flexible office suite, whether it's a, a Regis location or a co-working or a, or a WeWork, you're sharing the receptionist, you're sharing conference area, sharing lounge, uh, sharing pantry, and all of those concepts are, are present in, in uh, ABW. I think, uh, you know, the, the activity-based workplace model that we've adopted, and it's, it'll approach 2 million square feet very shortly, um, it's really about understanding how do individuals work as individuals and how do they work as teams. Um, 
And our focus has always been uh, with the strategy is how do you drive collaboration? How do you improve the workplace from a, a 1980s telecom installation in some cases to one that is a very current technology-driven company? And you know, the first and biggest part, I think, of, of activity-based workplace is the elimination of space uh, this, uh, given by hierarchy and by title. Mm -hmm. So the elimination of private offices dedicated to people Huge cultural change uh, for the company. A great signal that this is, you know, a different company, and the culture is is morphing. Um, but you know, free unassigned space or self-assigned space or whatever you want to call it, it's about an open workplace where where groups get to come together and work as teams, but also a high amount of private space for them to work individually. That mirrors the the flexible office, the FAS solution, which for the most part were sales offices uh, or regional offices that we had out uh, throughout the U.S. specifically, but in offices we use the same model outside the U.S. for, for many, many years, mm -hmm. where you get to choose where you sit and how you work and really enables the business to work more efficiently for them, not just from a real estate perspective. We know how to cut costs, and, and all of us in real estate do. I think uh, what you want to do is you want to make sure that you provide the right space to enable the business to be profitable. Revenue is also a better multiplier of success than reducing expense. Yeah. And our view is that we are here to position the business to generate more revenue. We know how to cut expenses. We know how to spend money wisely. Um, but changing how people work was the focus for all of this. I think that's a great that, that answer is a great example of how your business unit focused rather mm -hmm. than just focused on internal GRE, kind of the ways of old, right? right. It's really how do, how do we um, support and enhance and drive the business unit top line numbers as well as the bottom line numbers. Um, so can, just so we can give our, our listeners a little context, I think activity-based workplace kind of makes sense with most, peop most people, you have different zones. How does that work in a shared provider? How, how do you, do, do you partition space for Verizon people or is it kind of co-working, co co shoulder to shoulder? How do you typically set out and structure a, a physical location with, let's say, a Regis? Well, we can do it either way, uh, and we we have done it uh, in both ways, where we enter a, a normal co-working environment and just have drop-in drop, drop -in locations in a, in a shared work environment. But for the most part, uh, when we take people out of a traditional lease space and put them into a, a flexible office space, we are giving them a partitioned suite um, and within the suite, uh, we tried to uh, incorporate the newer furniture standards, um, benching and uh, and free address, uh, but put out put the majority of any conferencing requirements, uh, lounge requirements, things like that that would normally be within our space outside, they, and they, those would be shared elements. Any flex up and flex down based on on the requirements of the business. If they have a lot of conferencing requirements then they'd be, you know, using the shared uh, conference areas more. Mm -hmm. And if you don't, you don't. And, um, and that's where you, you pay for what you need. Excellent. Thank you for tuning in to Cornet Global's What's Next podcast. This concludes the first part of a two-part series on Space Reimagined, Verizon's Transformation.